Listen and subscribe to the GrowthCraft Startup Community Podcast on all the major podcast players, including iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere where podcasts are available. And leave a five-star review if you like it. We need those reviews to grow the show, and it's the easiest way to help us grow the show that you can do right now. So head on over to iTunes, head on over to Google Podcasts or Spotify, and leave a five-star review for the GrowthCraft Startup Community Podcast. And tell all of your friends who are entrepreneurs to take a listen. And thanks. My name is Hassan Sorrells. This is Tom Libby. And you are listening uh, to the GrowthCraft Podcast. The GrowthCraft Podcast is designed with the startup founder in mind. This podcast, the GrowthCraft Podcast, the one you're listening to, is committed to growing your connections to our GrowthCraft advisors, increasing your engagement with the GrowthCraft community overall, and growing your knowledge about all of the benefits that GrowthCraft can provide for your startup. And we can't wait to bring you along on our journey today. Now, here on this podcast, we interview startup founders, advisors, and others about their journey, their process, and basically how they got to GrowthCraft and the value that GrowthCraft is providing for them. And today, I'd like to welcome to the podcast, or we would like to welcome to the podcast, Daniel Zuby. Welcome to the podcast, Daniel. Thank you. Uh, So let's start off, uh, as we usually do, for our listeners what is it that you do exactly? Yeah, so uh, first of all, thanks for having me on. It's uh, exciting to be a part of this group. And um, yeah, my name is Daniel Zuby. I'm a professional mechanical engineer, and I'm starting a company that I'm calling ModLev, which stands for Modular Light Electric Vehicle. And so I'm trying to bring EVs to the masses by making them significantly cheaper and smaller and lighter weight. And I'm doing that by making the vehicles large enough for one person and one person only. But then when you want to have a larger vehicle, um, you can take these single passenger modules and connect them together to basically form a larger vehicle on the spot. Um, but the, the, main, the main problem it's solving is that 70% of vehicle trips are in a single passenger vehicle. So it's one person driving, driving by themselves in a vehicle that weighs over 4,000 pounds. And so... My uh, my hope and my vision is to is to change that. Interesting, because I heard I heard a couple of things in there that probably already answers this question. But if you can go a little kind of beyond the the, the answer you just gave. So I, I think about when we have these people on the podcast, we're always asking them the why. Right. Like what what prompted this? What started this? And I heard you say something about 70 percent of the, you know, 70% of the, these, these, you know, people traveling by themselves, right? So you're looking to just to bring the cars down to what should be a single person vehicle, right? Versus the, the big giant vehicles. But, but what, but what prompted this? Like how, what made you think I need to solve this problem? Yeah. So mainly climate change, you know, um, personal transport accounts for 10% of global CO2 emissions, which is uh, 
or just like between nine and 10%. So it's a huge number uh, just in personal transport, um, personal cars and trucks. And so that's a, a huge chunk. And um, I think a significant portion of that is because cars are so darn heavy. <laughs> if you can just simply reduce the amount of mass that you're carrying around, that can significantly reduce the energy uh, the energy required to move yourself around. So, for example, um, you know, when you if you were to walk down the street to grab some groceries and you throw a backpack on, and you know, you're not going to throw four thousand pounds of water in your backpack and hike down to the grocery store and go shopping. You know, like that would take way more energy than 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 you want. But that's basically what we're asking our cars to do every single time we jump in them by ourselves and go down to the store or run an errand, whatever, we're carrying around all this extra mass that is wasteful. Now, I would push back a little bit on that, Daniel, because uh, where I live currently in America, um, it is 102 degrees outside Fahrenheit with 115 degree heat index. So I'm going to pack up 4,000 pounds of water in my backpack <laughs> because I'm going to need it to keep me cool. Right. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, but this opens up another set of problems, right? Or another set of issues. And so um, I want to go on record. I have zero problem with electric vehicles. I think that that is, a, I mean, I, I know the history of, of automobiles in this country. And, you know, honestly, before the internal combustion engine, electricity was being explored. I'm sure you know all that history as well. And then, you know, the internal combustion engine came around because oil um, and gas um, was so inexpensive. Plus... Henry Ford did a lot of work on building out the infrastructure and supporting that infrastructure build out um, uh, along with his, well, not along with, but in parallel to the efforts of Thomas Edison, right? So a lot of the things that we're seeing right now in infrastructure that um, are, are not infrastructure, but around transportation, right, that are looking to combat climate change are, are really trying to hook on to this, this larger you know, this larger sort of infrastructure issue that we have. And um, I always challenge EV people. I don't care whether they're building trucks or what you're building, the solution you're building or planes. The infrastructure is the real problem from my perspective here. <laughs> um, we've got, you know, late eight, late 19th century to early 20th century, mid 20th century infrastructure that we're just building on top of, building on top of, building on top of. How does your solution or does your solution um, stand as another step towards solving what I consider to be the massive infrastructure problem. Because if we don't get, from my perspective, if we don't get our arms around that, all the EV stuff is cool, but I still got to go get groceries and it's 115 outside, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm glad you brought up the infrastructure issue because the electricity infrastructure, at least in the United States and in many parts of the world, um, is outdated. So 60% of the U.S. electricity grid has already surpassed its 50-year life expectancy. Correct. Um, that's a huge potential future problem, uh, especially when we're we're planning on offloading all of this all of this internal combustion engine energy <laughs> onto the grid as we're trying to scale up uh, distribution of EVs. And so my my thought is that, okay, well, before we go ahead and just do a direct replacement, take the same vehicle architecture that we think of when we think of as a internal combustion engine vehicle and just rip out the ICE motor and throw in an electric one and, you know, hands are clean, we're done. No, that's, that's, that's kind of, that's, that's too easy. That's crazy. 
because um, we now, but with EVs, they actually, you can rethink the whole architecture of the vehicle. And so um, if you can make the vehicle smaller while maintaining the same safety requirements and comfort that we realize in an ordinary vehicle, um, now you, you have something because you're basically gonna take a vehicle that requires a certain amount of, like a Tesla, for example, a certain amount of battery capacity, and you reduce that by 80%. Okay. Um, and now you have vehicles that are smaller and lighter weight, and because of that, they have smaller batteries. And so now you have a significantly reduced load on the grid. And that was the other follow-up question I wanted to ask you was about yep. the batteries, because I've got a book that's sitting on my bookshelf right now. My kids got it for me for, uh, I think, for Father's Day. Because uh, this is the kind of kids I've got uh, about cobalt mining in Africa. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. you know, I'm getting ready to go down that rabbit hole a little bit. I know some things, yeah. but I'm getting ready to go way down that rabbit hole, right? Yeah, DRC. And yeah. And I know it's going to be scary and I know it's going to be disturbing. Yeah. And I don't know how we solve that problem. Right. Yeah. No, it's right. I mean, I think um, by, I think the statistic is by 2050, we're supposed to. Uh, the projections are to need 40 times the amount of cobalt and 25 times the amount of manganese and similar values for, I think, uh, you know, graphite and um, some of the other critical minerals that are needed for um, for manufacturing batteries, right? And now that's all assuming that, again, we're just going to replace all the existing cars as we know them today with large heavy ass vehicles that are crazy. Yeah. Um, so that those are also, that that's another reason why I'm targeting, hey, before we scale up this whole EV infrastructure, let's rethink what a car means and what it looks like. You know, we're, we're, we're thinking about cars the same way we have been for the last hundred years, where one car has to be capable of handling all of the needs all the time but you actually only fulfill those needs maybe 5% of the time you have it at the most. But, but so I, I'm going to ask a different infrastructure problem because I, I have a different problem with EVs and it has, and again, it's not the technology. I, I, I think in, in the saving the planet, go for it. I, I have, I'm all for that. But for me personally, like I, the, the one hang up I have when I went to, when I, the, the last time I went to buy a vehicle, um, you know, and I, and I had the option of this or that or EVs or non-EV, I ended up staying with a regular combustion engine because quite often I find myself traveling distances that are unrealistic for EVs to, to handle, right? So for example, just give you an example. Uh, I, doesn't, I don't need to tell you where point A and point B are, but my parents live about 1800 miles from me and I will drive that instead of taking an airplane um, for different reasons. Let's just say whatever, I'm, I'm bringing something to them, whatever. Yep. To drive 1800 miles in an EV is going to take me five days, but like, so I can drive, I can drive 400 miles, 500 miles, stop, charge the car for X amount of hours or whatever. And then I have to get back on my horse and go like with my combustion car. And I've done this many, many, many times. I don't stop. I just drive. I'll stop for gas. It takes me five minutes to put gas in the car and I will go continue on. It takes me about takes me about 23 hours to drive to my parents' house straight. And I drive the whole way straight. I don't stay overnight anywhere. I just drive 23 hours. I can't do that in an EV, right? Mm -hmm. So like, so I, I, for me, it's a more foundation, like a more fundamental problem where 
I don't have the patience to wait for the batteries to charge. Are we ever going to solve that problem? Because that's what's going to put me in the market to buy an EV. Right? Yep. How, do we, how do we solve that? Join the Growthcraft startup community online via Zoom each first Tuesday of the month at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time for Expert Tuesdays. With Expert Tuesdays, you'll hear from one of our top-notch expert advisors and thought leaders in an informative workshop or presentation focusing on a topic important to emerging and growing companies. From sales and marketing to storytelling and leadership, in this hour-long monthly session, you will be able to connect with the Growthcraft community, advisors, founders, and others. And you'll learn entrepreneurship skills you can apply to your startup project uh, right now. Check out the links to the Growthcraft website to join us on Expert Tuesdays in the show notes below the podcast player you're listening to right now. And thanks. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's certainly a uh, that that is a challenging use case for uh, for for EVs um, in comparison to ICEs, right? Um, and I think for certain use cases like that, that's that's a hard one to to compete against. You know, I think yeah. um, I think the majority of, of of trips are are much shorter than 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 twenty three hours. <laughs> uh, sure. But but I think also. Um, to sort of use your example of, of long distance traveling, right? Um, the re I think one significant reason why EVs are, you know, limited with with range is because they they're they're so damn heavy, right? And so if you if you're lighter weight, you're going to have more range. And so uh, especially if you have if if you have a module that you could clip on to the to the the side or to the back of your of your ev um and now that's just a that is like a, a backseat module or a pickup truck bed module but that module has a whole extra set of battery packs right and so you could drive with that add-on module say 500 miles and then you get to a a station where you can swap out that module with another one that has full batteries right um, and now you have this, this modular vehicle that, you know, if we just break out of the way of thinking of, oh, a, a vehicle has to be a certain size and shape, uh, and you think of it as more of a modular system that can be swapped out and added on. And, um, now you have this add-on module that you could drive for 500 miles. And then when you're out of battery, then you can just stop at like a, an exchange like a blue bike station or a zip car hub location yeah. and put out for a new one. Um, so the, the that, modularity sort of opens up a whole yeah. world of opportunities that we're kind of limiting ourselves with. So, so instead of stopping to get gas, you basically stop to exchange the battery pack and then just keep going. So it's yeah, the same, would, it's, it becomes exactly. the same idea at that point. Yeah. You would, you would swap out the back half of your vehicle with, with another half of your vehicle and that, other half has full charge. You know, you know what, you know what might be a, a good. Uh, <laughs> just thinking out loud here. Have you talked to U-Haul yet? Like U-Haul, <laughs> seriously, like U-Haul rental locations could be good depots for you, right? Like, sorry. Anyway, we, that's probably no, a great. different. That's probably a different it. kind of podcast, <laughs> <Right>. huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you're right, though. I mean, there, there's already a lot of infrastructure out there that could uh, I could piggyback alongside. Yeah. So idea. I'm going to I'm going to ask you a follow up question to this because Tom sort of hit on it a little bit. 
I also live in a rural area in a um in a massive state. Okay, it's not an East Coast state; it's a massive state. You're right? you're in Austin, Texas. Uh, close. Well, we'll call it Austin. Yeah, massive state, <laughs> right? Yeah. Texas is huge. Uh, it, you could divide it up into four states just by itself. And by it's the way, that no electricity grid. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, <laughs> with all kinds of problems that go along with that, um, and challenges. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I, I like the idea of modularity because that answers some of that question about range, particularly for, quite frankly, your rural, rural area customers who mm-hmm. have zero interest. And there is still about a good, I would say 30 to 40% of the American population that has zero interest in living in an urban area. They just, they just don't, they don't want to live there. They don't want to work there. They don't want to be associated with it. They like leaving the urban area and going to the suburbs or going out rurally, like they just do. Um, that goes directly to the idea. And I love what you said. And I wrote it down this idea in America of what a car means. So I had a buddy of mine in college and he would make the joke that a car is not just a car, it's freedom. Right. And that is huge. He, he was making a joke, but it's absolutely the truth. Right. Yeah. Um, it comes out of this idea of exploration, conquering, or going across, maybe not conquering, but going across the third of a continent, Western expansion, yep. da, 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 all these kinds of things that live in the myth of, of America, live in our, in our voices and live in our heads, right? How does your solution hook up with that? Because I think if your solution doesn't hook up with that, at least philosophically on some level for folks, um, I can definitely see the modularity working in a city like a Dallas-Fort Worth or a New York City or a Chicago or a Boston. But I think past those metropolitan or urban hubs, it's going to be a massive struggle at a philosophical level to kind of get people to come on board, at least currently, right? Now, maybe my kids will love it, right? Or my grandkids will love it, maybe, um, because maybe they won't have all those myths in their head. But could you speak a little bit to what a car means and how your solution kind of goes along with that? Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's a good point to to talk about because I think for Americans especially, um, maybe less so with other parts of the world, but the, with, with with Americans at least, cars are kind of a part of our identity, right? right. We're yeah. sort of like if you're driving a, a beater of a car, like you you look like a bum, you know, like <laughs> no one. <laughs> that's just like that's a projection of of, of who you are, you know, right. Um, it does say something and, uh, when you put up it when you pull up in a Mercedes SL6 or whatever. It does say yeah. something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, um, I mean I I personally don't share those same convictions, which is probably why I'm the one who is trying to come up with this idea. But um, but I think the the essence of thinking a car thinking of a car as uh, access to exploration and freedom, I think is is definitely a it's a real thing, and and that's why I, that's why I'm taking this on as as a as a modular approach because you know when you have like a when people think of small vehicles, mm-hmm. it people think of them as as restricting and they can't do as many things with them because they're too small and they can't carry their friends and so like a smart car for example is like I I was gonna say I remember when the smart car came out I I looked at I kind of chuckled I got to be honest yeah. with you. <laughs> right. No, exactly. And and it's like people see that and smart car is kind of like, you know, I, I thought the smart car is really cool personally, but like I, I, I would never buy one because like I like to go camping. I like to go mountain biking. I like to go skiing, you know, and like, you know, I, I, I 
can't bring that to do those things, right? Um, and you know, if you have more than one friend, like you, you kind of need to like. <laughs> if we all hope we have more than we all <laughs> hope you have more than one friend. <laughs> 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 so, so if you want to go somewhere with with friends to the lakes or the ocean or the mountains whatever like you know you can't do that if you have a small car but now um if you want to take care of that again that 70 percent of trips when you're just driving by yourself um this modular system solves that because you can drive a small car when you're just by yourself but then when you want to have a larger car for more people or for more cargo you don't need to buy a whole separate other car. You can basically add on to what you already have, um, and so that's that's what I'm I'm hoping I can I can get to with this, where you know you can go and and pick up your friend, and you know you and your friend's module can just connect together and keep going, and you can go pick up your other friend. No, oh, now you have three modules, um, and so you can kind of, and then once you get to your destination you're not locked into one car. Like if you guys want to go your own separate ways for an afternoon, whatever, like you can do that. All your, your, your modules are, are independent um, when they want to be. So um, I see this whole system as a rethinking of the whole architecture of personal transportation um, to maintain that freedom, um, but also in flexibility, but also reducing the size of the vehicle for when you're only by yourself to save energy. One last thought I have, and then we can kind of turn it a different direction um, on this, because I get I'm fascinated by this. This is why I'm, I'm, I'm peppering you with yeah. so many questions. Yeah, um, that's great. <laughs> um, so, uh, I, you know, I said a Mercedes, right? Okay, I mentioned Mercedes as a brand. Um, personally, uh, I drive a Toyota uh, Camry, right? Because I don't really care about the status symbol thing. Why does that matter. not surprise me? Right. It doesn't matter to me. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about that. Uh, and I tend to park when I go to work in my other businesses, uh, I tend to park next to Maserati's and I just laugh and I try not to let them debt my, don't debt my, don't, don't debt my Toyota. Yeah. <laughs> High-end vehicle. Don't debt my Toyota. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's a little bit of shiver on the shoulder there, listeners, um, on that one. But, um, <laughs> but um, in a modular design, right? Um, how much flexibility is there for me to, you know, change it and change out the design? So if one day I want to drive it, you know, something that looks a little bit more like a sedan, then the next day, maybe I need something that looks a little bit more like, a, I don't know, I'm going to pick a truck, a Ford F-150, right? Pick up yeah. truck, yeah. How much, how much, yeah. How much, how much mixing and matching is there involved in there? Is there a core design that I've got to purchase and stick to? Like, how do we, how do we work this? And by the way, can I do this all in my garage or do I need a professional to go, to yeah. go? work with me on this that was a great question i was actually that was the question i had too go ahead Dan. Yep. yeah <laughs> about yeah the mechanic the, uh, about the professional part yeah <laughs> right no yeah the uh i mean the, the the ultimate vision is to be able to you know have uh, an app on your phone that you select what car configuration you want you have a bunch of these module robots out in your driveway and they can figure themselves together and they basically create this vehicle that you want um now that's a very far in the distant future but that's the ultimate that's like some Jetson stuff right there. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> that's awesome. Are they going to fly the next, Daniel? Are they going to fly next? I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I cut you off. I apologize. No, it's all right. But, but so, you know, I think an intermediate phase would be, okay, you have um, maybe if you and your partner have, you each have your own individual single passenger modules that you drive around to run errands, go to work, whatever. Um, and then on the weekends, say you want to take, 
the kids somewhere. So you you connect your your single pasture modules together. It's something you could do in your driveway, or you could if you don't want to own your own single pasture modules, you, if you only want to own one of them. Uh, you can drive down to the local neighborhood hub um, or your neighbor's driveway if they're not using their car for the weekend, um, and you can help yourself and connect your modules. Or you could have a um, you could also have like a like a backseat module um, if you have like a, a hatchback add-on or a pickup truck bed add-on um, that you would basically construct your vehicle on the spot, um, and so it would be. You know the the intermediary phase would be a very hands-on approach so you know at least for the first few iterations you know you got to start start simple um and so this is something that i'm envisioning being able to do like in your driveway or at like a hub location um and you know join us online via zoom at the growth craft startup community founders forum each third tuesday of the month at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Look, advisors and founders, we're, we're all in this together. Building relationships with your peers and entrepreneurship is just as important as connecting with experts and advisors. Each month, every third Thursday, we'll meet online via Zoom to share ideas, get support, support each other, and talk about universal issues that nearly all startups share. We'll celebrate our victories, chat about challenges, and then break out into small groups to address a timely topic of interest. It's a great way to meet like-minded entrepreneurs. Check out the links to the third Tuesday events on the GrowthCraft website and join us at the GrowthCraft Startup Community Founders Forum in the show notes below the podcast player you're listening to right now. It sounds it sounds to me that it's going to go beyond uh, the invention of a, of a EV, Daniel. You're, you're basically trying to event it, it, like invent or invoke this entirely new lifestyle really yeah. like this is because this is going to be a, a lifestyle change if somebody goes this direction with you right but um so let, let's let's switch gears a little bit um i want to i want to talk a little bit about growth craft um uh so usually we are, we're asking questions like what brought you to growth craft tell us what you love about it or, you know, why do you stay? Like those kinds of questions. So I'll just open the door and like, you can talk about whatever you want when it comes to growth craft, but, um, but give us a little insight as to, as to what, you know, what you, what your feelings and thoughts are about uh, growth craft and being involved. Yeah, it, it's really great. I mean, I feel really fortunate to have kind of stumbled into it when I did, but this was back in, in February when I, when I still had a, a quote unquote, you know, full-time real job. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and so I remember I, I had met JP, uh, I should have looked in my notebook, but um, at one of the Venture Cafe events that he presented and, and that's how I learned about it. And um, being able to, to meet all these, all these experts on all the different focus areas has been hugely helpful. And you know, I, I, since I'm still working through the, the design phase right now, um, I, I've been able to uh, work with Gil Perlberg and, yeah. and Chuck of course, and, and, and also JP and like, and so for me, it's been, um, it's been great to have that network of people and that support structure there um, to, to give me more confidence in moving forward. So right now, you know, I haven't had chance to talk with, uh, to, with you, Tom, or, or you, Hasan too much at length, because, you know, I'm not selling things yet. I don't really have a sales strategy yet. 
and it's just me. So I'm not really leading a team yet. <laughs> um, but, um, but, you know, so I, I think having that infrastructure there and those people there as, um, as, as guides, I think is really helping me move forward because it's like, I've never done this before. I'm reading as much as I can through books and everything. Um, but you know, there's no, there's no substitute for just being able to talk to people who are subject matter experts on whatever it is that you're encountering that, that day or week or month. And so, um, yeah, it's given me a lot of confidence to leave my job and to do this full time and to, you know, give a good, a good, a good shot at it. Awesome. Well, the, the, well, the hardest part, I love hearing that because the hardest part at the ideation stage, and, and you, you know this because you're in it right now. Um, you don't know what ideas are good. You don't know what ideas are bad. You just know you've got them, right? And you're, you need a sort of sounding board to be able yep. to make some of those determinations. Um, but then it also sounds like you're making plans for what do we do past the ideation stage, right? And, and how do we look at that? And so it sounds like um, from the way you're talking that growth craft is going to be part of maybe a, a maybe not a longer term, but a, a middle term strategy going towards solving some of those other, those other um, resource challenges. Is that correct? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's like going through all of like the, the workshops and the forums that, um, you know, I've been going to everyone every month and, um, and, you know, having that, those, those insights um, and early on before I, I really have a chance to think about, you know, having a sales strategy, right? A sales and marketing strategy, like your, your talk last week, Tom. Um, and, you know, having that as a, as sort of a, a, a foresight, you know, okay, like, that's great. That's, that's, that's great. Like, those are the sorts of problems I'm going to be or challenges I'm going to have in the future. And it's good to know that so that I'm not blindsided and I can start thinking about those things. And that sort of like puts plants seeds in my mind of, okay, yep, this is like, you know, talking with um, like, you know, Robin, the industry analyst, you know, I had a great conversation with her. Um, and, you know, once I get a, a design that's actually built and a prototype formed and, um, and I'm actually talking to more customers, I'll, 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 you know, reach out to her again. And, you know, we, I've already had that initial introduction and, you know, she knows what I'm working on. And so um, kind of laying the foundation of like networking and, and like, and knowledge, I think is, is kind of how I see uh, growth craft for me right now. Cool. And oh, by the way, just for the record, and we're, we are recording this, so this is on the record. It's never too early to start talking about sales and marketing strategy. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> never. <laughs> never, never, ever too early. Uh, anyway. Hey, Sam, why don't you wrap us up here with that last, uh, with that last question? Yeah. So um, in thinking about your project, right, and in thinking about the stage that you're at, um, what would you like to promote today? You know, um, if anything, um, or how do people check you out? Is there a, is there a website? Are you speaking anywhere? Um, can people connect with you via LinkedIn? Um, if we've got, you know, uh, maybe some interested folks who want to help you or walk alongside you on your journey, um, how would they get a hold of you and, and where's the best place to reach you? Yeah. Uh, so I guess I don't have a website yet. Um, I've bought, I've purchased the domain. But I haven't actually created the website yet. Um, and but I'm gonna be needing some co-founders 
And so, um, you know, LinkedIn, you know, I have just my, 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 my name is on LinkedIn. And, um, and so that's, uh, just Daniel Zuby P E M S M E is my LinkedIn, um, information. And so I guess if, yeah, that, that's really the only, <laughs> I'm kind of in a stealth mode at the moment because I, um, you know, I, I haven't built anything yet. And, um, and so I, I wish I could say, here, go check out my website, watch this cool video, but I'm, I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all right. We'll, um, we'll have the link to Daniel Zuby's LinkedIn um, below the show notes uh, or in the show notes below the player um, of this podcast on every major podcast platform that you listen to the GrowthCraft podcast on. All right. I'd like to thank Daniel Zuby for coming by the Growth Craft Podcast today. Always a pleasure to talk with a uh, with a founder, uh, no matter what stage they are at. This is a very exciting project, and I was glad we were able to talk about it with you today. So, thank you, Daniel. Thank you so much, Hassan and Tom. This is a pleasure to talk with you guys. Awesome. Always our pleasure to talk to founders. And before we sign off, just remember, um, I, we don't have this formally written out or anything yet. So I know Hassan's working on it, but just remember, keep an eye out for our social media posts where we're inviting people into our growth craft uh, workshops. We're going to start opening those up to, to uh, outside of our community. So you'll be able to join us, uh, some of our experts in some of those workshops. But if you are part of our community, you have a lot of other things available to you, as Daniel mentioned, in the forms of forums office hours with the experts, all kinds of uh, community conversation and chatter that happens inside the community. Uh, so we're here for you. We're in, we're here to support you. I know we're going to formalize that, uh, how we word that, but I figured I'd throw it in there at the last second. <laughs> it's, it's all right. Let's, let's just start getting those ad reads in. <laughs> let's start getting that information in. No, absolutely. And we will have links to all of those places where you can get information about workshops, forums, um, and of course, uh, events that we will be running over the course of the year. Once again, in the show notes below the player. So please click on those links and support the show and support GrowthCraft. Once again, thank you, Daniel Zuby, for coming on. And uh, for uh, for Tom Libby, my name is Hassan Sorrells, and we're out. All right. Thanks, guys. Each second Thursday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time, join GrowthCraft live and in person at Second Thursdays at CIC, located at 1 Broadway, Cambridge, Massachusetts. Located at Kendall Square, CIC features the most engaging entrepreneurial community in the Northeast, right next to MIT and minutes from Harvard University and downtown Boston. With 250,000 square feet of professionally managed, flexible workspace, CIC has every office amenity you could possibly need to scale your startup project. For those of you who are local, or if you're just visiting Boston, GrowthCraft advisors and founders can meet others in our community face-to-face. Join us for an informal social and informational get-together. Meet others, chat with advisors and peers, make connections, and then stay for Venture Cafe starting at 4.30 p.m. Eastern every second Thursday at CIC. Check out the links to the GrowthCraft website to join us live and in person at Second Thursdays at CIC in the show notes below the podcast player you're listening to uh, right now. And thanks. Thanks.